What does it mean to be successful? And how can we achieve it in our lives? Is success measured by how much money we make? Uh, last week, Jeff Bezos, the guy on the, on the left there, the founder of Amazon, he bought the most expensive property in Los Angeles. It cost $165 million. Huge amount of money. Unless, of course, you're the world's richest man and you have over $100 billion. Or maybe we should measure success by popularity. J.K. Rowling is one of the most popular authors in history, selling over 400 million of her Harry Potter books. Is that what success looks like? Or maybe we should measure success by our achievements, by being recognised as being the best. Pelly, he is widely considered as one of the greatest soccer players ever in history, as the only player ever to win three World Cups. Sadly, he was also in the news uh, last week because his son said he was, he was so frail and so ill that he was reluctant to even leave the house. So are these the kind of things that we should be seeking in our lives, even if we're never going to get to these kind of levels? Is success a healthy bank balance, an investment portfolio, a retirement fund? Is it defined by how many Facebook friends we have, or Twitter followers, or Instagram likes? Or is it by our exam grades, our promotion prospects, our kids' achievements? How do we measure success? I think it's a really important question because if someone has said it would be tragic to spend all our lives climbing up the ladder of success only to get to the top and realise that it's against the wrong wall. It's going in the wrong direction. So what did Jesus say about this? What is his definition of a successful life? And what do we need to do in order to achieve it? Well, this is what Jesus went on to teach his disciples in John chapter 15. And we're going to read from verse 1 just down to verse 8 this morning. So John chapter 15 and verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples.
disciples. Vines have a clearly defined purpose and goal. Vines are not grown for shade or for shelter or for their wood. They're grown solely to bear fruit for the benefit of the gardener. And so when Jesus said, I am the vine, he was declaring that his goal, his focus, his definition of success is to bear fruit. This was a a well-known picture in the Old Testament. The vine is a symbol of Israel. So Psalm 80, verse 8 says, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove drove out the nations and planted it. And in many ways, Israel flourished where it was planted. It grew stronger and more prosperous. But they weren't successful in the eyes of the Lord. Because Israel was not a fruitful vine for God. Isaiah 5 actually says about this, takes up this picture of Israel being a vineyard or a vine. And it says about the Lord that he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. He looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Israel refused to bear the fruit that God was looking for in their lives. God was looking for the fruit of holiness before him, compassion and justice in their society. He was looking for them to be a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And ultimately, to glorify God. But because of their sin and their rebellion, Israel refused to bear this fruit. And so God brought his judgment on them. And so Isaiah 5 and 6 says, I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. (coughs) So I think this is why Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Israel rejected God's call on their lives to bear fruit for him. But Jesus, the obedient son, he perfectly accepted the father's purpose for him. He is the true vine. Because in every way, Jesus lived a fruitful life. He lived a perfectly holy and sinless life that brought pleasure to his father. At his baptism, God declared, you are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then in his public ministry, everything that he said, everything that he did, every sermon that he preached, every act of compassion, every miraculous healing, and ultimately his death on the cross, where he laid down his life for us, were all done in perfect obedience to his Father. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And Jesus' ultimate focus for all of this was to bring glory to his Father. Later, Jesus would pray, I have brought you glory on earth 
by completing the work that you gave me to do. So this was Jesus' goal. This was his definition of success. To please his Father and bring glory to him by obeying him in everything that he was doing, in obeying his commands and completing his mission of drawing people into relationship with God through the sacrifice of himself. But I think the shock of this passage is not so much that Jesus is the true vine. I think it's that Jesus said to his disciples, and you are the branches. Jesus wants to bear this fruit through us. He wants this fruit to be carried in our lives, in our words, in our actions. If we've trusted in Jesus, then this is God's purpose for our lives. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, verse 16 says. So what is this fruit? I think first of all the fruit is the character of Christ expressed in us. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit that Christ, through his Spirit, produces in our lives. So it's love and joy and peace and and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. It's about the quality of our internal lives. Having Christ's heart, his temperament, his values, his priorities, his attitudes. But of course... Having that internally in our hearts will change how then we live out outside. So Paul prayed that the Colossians would live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So we have to bear fruit not just in our character, but in what we do, in our behaviour, in our good work. That includes our praise and our worship. Our ministry and service in a local church. Our personal knowledge of God and walk with God. But it's more than this. The fruit of our lives is everything that we do. Everything that we say. It's our acts of compassion to people. It's our commitment to integrity and honesty in all of our dealings. It's purity in our speech, in our family life, in our working life, in our leisure time. It's our lifestyle and actions and everyday behaviour. So this fruit is our character and it's our behaviour. But it's also our mission in life. Later, Jesus would pray to his Father, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Just as Jesus was sent into the world to draw the lost into relationship with God, so we have been called to continue his work. Jesus commissioned us to go and make disciples of all nations. And each one of us are called to bear the fruit of lives impacted and transformed by God through our witness to our families 
in our communities, in our world. So this is the fruit that God is looking for in our lives. And as the gardener, God is looking for more and more of this fruit. Look at verse 2. He's working so that we will be even more fruitful. And he's looking for us to bear much fruit. Verse 5. God is not satisfied with a little bit of fruit. A little change. A little impact. He wants to see our character increasingly change to become more like Jesus. He wants our lives to be increasingly lived in obedience to His will and His purpose. And He wants us to be increasingly involved in His mission of bringing people to Himself. Why? Why would God want to do that in our lives? Why has God got that ambition, that desire, that passion for us? Well, it's because this is how we bring glory to God. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. The fruit of our lives is not really for our benefit. Our Heavenly Father is the gardener and so the fruit is for Him to bring honour and and bring glory to Him. This is Jesus' definition of success in our lives. This is his goal. This is his ambition for us. It's not about money. It's not about popularity. It's not about achievements. It's a life that increasingly bears fruit for him. That increasingly honours him. That increasingly glorifies How can we live this life? It's all well and good saying that this is what God wants. But how can we live a life that's fruitful? How can we live a life that honours Him? How can we live a life that glorifies Him? Well, Jesus clearly taught that we can't do it on our own. Verse 4. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. A branch only has life and the potential for fruitfulness if it's connected to the vine. On its own, it's got no resources to draw on, no power of its own to depend on. A branch removed from the vine is powerless and lifeless and fruitless. It's dead. So Jesus said these words in verse 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Without Jesus, we will accomplish nothing that will be of lasting value. Relying on our own resources, our own dedication, our own hard work, we'll produce no fruit for God. On our own, we can't live a holy life. We cannot honour God. Even the good we do is tainted with our sin. So Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So on our own we can't bring anything of worth to God. On our own we don't have the power to follow God's commands. 
On our own, we don't have the ability to serve Him or to impact this world. On our own, we can't even change our own lives, never mind changing anybody else's life. So Jesus said in verse 4, Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, then our fruitfulness is dependent on us being connected to Jesus. We need to experience his life, his strength, his spiritual nourishment. And so our fruitfulness is not dependent on our background or our intelligence or our level of education or our experience or our abilities. It's simply the result of remaining in Christ and Christ remaining in us. This is Jesus' promise, verse 5. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. If we trust in Jesus and accept him into our lives and follow him, then our connection with Christ will so transform our hearts and impact our lives and energize our service that we will bear fruit for God. That's why the good fruit glorifies God and not us. Because he is the one who loved us when we were powerless, when we were rebellious, when we were fruitless. He is the one who sent his son to set us free from sin and death. And he is the one who sent his spirit to empower us to live this new life. So our fruitfulness is a revelation of the miracle of his love. And his wisdom and his grace and his power in our lives. It's all about what God does in us while we remain connected to Christ. And that's why the Father acts so decisively with branches that bear no fruit at all. Jesus said of the gardener that he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. These fruitless branches are dead. They have no life in them. They're not filled with the life of Christ. Why? Well, because they've never put their faith in Christ. They're like Judas, who never trusted in Jesus, who never accepted Jesus as his Saviour and Lord. And so the, the gardener cuts them off because their lack of fruit shows that they were not never true disciples in the first place. So this is not saying that a true believer in Jesus can lose their salvation. It's not saying somebody can be a child of God and then be kicked out of God's family. This is not going against all the wonderful promises in, in John's Gospel of our security as believers. For example, when Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. If our connection with Christ is genuine, then we'll never be separated from Him. But rather, this is a warning against deceiving ourselves that we are in Christ 
if we've just made an empty profession if we've just become religious if we've just been attending a church if we've just been trying to live a good life because if there's no fruit in our lives for God then it warns us that there's no life in us and there's just a frightening judgment to come if anyone does not remain in me he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned if this is true of us then we'll be cut off from God because we were never connected with Christ through faith and so this is just what John has repeatedly warned us about For example, John chapter 3, verse 18. Whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. So these words of Jesus here do not deprive us of the assurance of our salvation if we have believed in Jesus. Instead, they encourage us to make sure that you have put your trust in him. Because if you have, then our lives should increasingly show this in our character, and our behaviour, and our mission. But this also tells us that the key, what the key to success is in our lives. How can we become more and more fruitful in our lives? How can we see that change and that change of behaviour or character? and that change in our mission well it's not about working harder it's not about struggling more it's not about putting more effort in rather the key to fruitfulness here is about how closely we are connected to Christ if a man remains in me and I in him he will bear much fruit If we want to be fruitful, we need to abide in Christ. We need to be daily connected to Him. Living in communion with Him. And we do this primarily by listening to His words. Look at verse 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Opening up the Bible and daily allowing the Spirit to teach us His truth and empowering us to live out this life is absolutely crucial. This is the key to increasingly being fruitful in our lives. It's about living constantly in relationship with Christ, depending on Him, trusting in Him, listening to His words, living in His love and following His command. It's living with Christ at the centre of our lives. Finally, the Father is also committed to helping us live out that reality. Look at verse 2. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. When I was young, a long time ago. My dad was a keen gardener. At the front of our house, along the, the perimeter wall, were a whole load of roses. 
And every year at a certain month, he would get out a pair of cicatures and he would cut huge branches off these rose bushes. They'd go from about five feet tall, which was like up here when I was a kid, to just a, maybe a foot off the ground or so. And if my granddad was allowed to help, it would be even shorter. He would cut them even harder. Now my dad knew what he was doing. He knew that cutting back those stems was important. If the rose was going to put its efforts into not growing longer and longer stems, but producing those amazing flowers that my mum and dad liked. I didn't particularly like them. They made my allergies go bad. And as a gardener, God is doing something similar in our lives. He's working to make us more and more fruitful by cutting away the stuff that will keep us from depending on Christ. He does this as we read the Bible. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's Word cuts deep into our hearts. It judges our wrong attitudes. It challenges our wrong behavior. It confronts our wrong thoughts. But He also does it through circumstances. God uses the difficulties and the struggles of our everyday lives to train us to live more fully for Him. So the writer of Hebrews says this, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. These experiences can be incredibly uncomfortable. But God's purpose through them is not to condemn us, it's not to discourage us. But He's just committed to pruning away those things in our lives that are useless or wrong. Or the things that just sap our energy and distract our hearts. So that we continue to depend on Christ. And bear fruit in our lives. But the great encouragement here. Is that through all of this process. If we choose to remain in Christ. Then he promises. To remain in us. So verse 4. Just finally. Jesus says. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. If we are willing, Jesus is eager to commune with us. If we seek him, we will find him. If we are committed to him and have put our faith in him, then he will be faithful to us. And he will continue this work that he has begun in us. Until the day that he completes it. So this is what success looks like folks. And this is how we can achieve it. It's not about money. It's not about popularity. It's not about achievements. Rather it's about being Jesus' branches. Producing his fruit in our lives. 
displaying his character, following his example, continuing his mission and glorifying his Father. And to do this, all we need to do is trust in him. Put our faith in him. Listen to him. And live in communion with him. So do you want to live a a successful life? Are we willing to remain in him? The true vine.